This is Outstanding in the Field, a podcast by Perennia, highlighting production practices, pest management, and more for field crops in Nova Scotia. I'm your host and Provincial Field Crop Specialist, Caitlin Condon. In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Tony Vine, Professor and Cropping Systems Extension Agronomist at Purdue University in Indiana. Some of his current research focuses on corn hybrid and plant density comparisons at multiple nitrogen rates and RTK automatic guidance for strip tillage and nutrient banding. Today, we're discussing all things corn kernel weight, including agronomic and environmental factors that influence it and how to manage corn kernel weight for yield gains. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me today. You're welcome. I thought I would start off with a little bit of a kind of corn situation in Nova Scotia, just to give you a little bit of a background of kind of where we are right now. Um, So, I mean, we typically grow around 36,000 acres of corn annually, and about half of that would be some form of corn silage, and the other half would be green corn. It's mainly livestock. (laughs) We have a fairly short season, especially compared to Ontario and other parts of Canada. So we're typically limited to hybrids that are under 2,400 heat units for green corn. There are some pockets like down in the Annapolis Valley where I'm based that can push it a little bit more, but of course that gets a little riskier (laughs) depending on the the weather and the season. So I guess we'll just jump right in. And of course, we often talk about test weight as an indicator of performance in our corn crop and used for grade determination, of course, but kernel weight seems to be more and more a part of the conversation. So can you describe a little bit about the relationship between test weight and kernel weight and um, talk about how they differ? Sure, that's a fair uh, place to start. We typically think of test weight in terms of the weight of a you know, of a certain volume of corn at a particular moisture content. And it is true that higher and heavier kernels in terms of their actual weight may or may not lead to an increase in test weight. Definitely, we know that if we have a management and a hybrid situation that gives us higher kernel weights, we definitely are not going to be losing test weight. Uh, Usually we'll be gaining test weight, but the relationship is not linear. So let's just say you end up with a management situation that resulted in a, um, you know, in in a 15% gain in kernel weight. That doesn't mean you're going to get the same percentage gain in actual test weight. Mm-hmm. And everything else is kept equal in terms of the uh, moisture content of the grain. So bigger kernels become bigger in part because of bigger volume. Bigger kernels can also become heavier because of higher density, or in other words, more weight for a given uh, kernel volume. And test weight is always kind of a, a function of, you know, how well do the kernels pack together in that mm. specific volume. But usually we, we find uh, that modern hybrids have the capacity and the, the flexibility to achieve higher kernel weights now than 
hybrids of 30 years ago. And when they do so, we usually notice a, a like a positive gain in final test weight measure the conventional way at, at an elevator or in a, in, in a yield monitor on, on some of the modern combines. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is the relationship between kernel weight and kernel number? Usually there is a trade-off. Mm. So we have to think about this a little bit because um, if you go progressively higher on kernel number, that's good as long as kernel weight itself is, is staying flat. So you get mm-hmm. more numbers and then you get more uh, kernel weight. It's possible. And in some cases you have uh, a very high kernel number and then there is a um, somewhat of a reduction in kernel weight. And so that could happen, for instance, if you had a really high plant density situation and you had favorable weather during the vegetative period when kernel number potential is being set. But that can also you know, be accompanied by, let's say, dry weather conditions during the late green filling period. And that can mean that although you set a high potential kernel number, you may not be able to realize them getting as heavy as you want to because there is a problem uh, during the, the grain filling period. In the grain filling period, we, we typically think of two periods. The one is what we call the lag period, right in the period from flowering to two weeks after flowering. It's in that period when kernels are obviously being pollinated and then the, these small kernels are mostly filled with fair, you know, with fluids, milky type fluids that are sugar and nitrogen, basically. <laughs> and during that time, they're dividing, they're dividing cells like mad. And so they're trying to set up the stage for having a high potential kernel weight. With today's hybrids, we can, we get more stability in kernel weight than we did with hybrids earlier. Usually in older hybrids, there was more of a trade-off that if your kernel number went really high, then you would sacrifice kernel weight. But Maybe moment, smaller kernels? Yeah, so there would mm-hmm. be smaller kernels. But at the moment, we typically tend to find that we can have the best of both worlds. We can increase kernel number per unit area, and we can also accomplish a um, uh, an increase in, in the final kernel weight, provided that we have good conditions during that early lag period, the first two weeks after pollination, right. provided that we've got lots of nitrogen to feed that potential kernel weight and to realize the, the rate and the length of the filling period. And so the most critical thing of all when it comes to realizing those high kernel weights is to try to extend the grain filling period, especially that latter linear period, we call that. Mm-hmm. So let's just say, we, let's back up a little bit. We, we start with flowering. First two weeks are approximately are what we call the lag period. It's been very little gain in kernel weight during that time, five per, 
5% or less of the total that is achieved at maturity. Okay. You go into this very steep linear period. And what you want to do is you, you want to have that period extend as, for as many days as possible. Right. And so um, in my world, working with the maturities of corn that I do, I want that linear period to be ideally, you know, 45 days long or something <laughs> like that. So that's a really long period. Yeah. Uh, which would mean that the total period from flowering to the highest weight being achieved would be about 60 days or something mm -hmm. like that. That, right. would be, that would be ideal. So to get there, to have that linear period extend as long as possible, you need to have a healthy plant. You need right. to have healthy leaves. You need to have uh, freedom from sort of diseases limiting the photosynthesis because what you don't want to have happen during that linear period is for the corn to be relying more on remobilizing the nitrogen and the photosynthesis out of the leaves and putting them into the ear. What you want okay. as much as possible yeah. is, is you want new photosynthetic production to make sure that the primary delivery of weight to the corn kernels is coming from the new manufacturing that's taking place that day, rather than you know borrowing from the bank and removing you know from your savings account basically that you gotcha. accumulated in the stems and and especially in in the leaves. Okay, cool. What agronomic management practices can we play with that would help affect that uh, the length of that period? Well, hopefully you've already started with the right thing, which is that you're picking a hybrid that is not just high yielding, but uh, where the seed dealer has told you that this hybrid has kernel weight flexibility. In other words, under optimum conditions, it can go to it can go to deeper kernels and and typically the the deeper kernel volumes are are ones that have the capacity to get to higher final weights right secondly you want to make sure that nitrogen is uh, never limiting and especially not in the period not just around flowering but in the period uh, between flowering and, and maturity. Ideally, mm -hmm. you need to recognize that corn could be taking up nitrogen all the way through to the early dent stage. Mm. And if that's the case, we want to make sure that not that we put on too much nitrogen, you know, definitely don't want to encourage that, but we need <laughs> to make sure that the way we've managed our soils with our manure and with our nitrogen, with our rotations, mm -hmm. are such that we ensure adequate nitrogen availability to meet the demands that, that that's been sort of set during that lag period so that the, the kernels are, are having a, a high nitrogen accumulation rate for a, as long a period as possible. And the other aspect of plant health, of course, has got everything to do with, with leaf health. And so in some cases, that's first and foremost a, a, a corn hybrid decision in terms of susceptibility to mm -hmm. whatever blights or um, other uh, fungi are, are problematic in your region. 
But it could also be that one of the benefits of a fungicide application, should it be economically warranted, is that it tends to extend the filling period uh, duration and cause there to be, in some cases, slightly higher grain moisture at harvest. Now, I realize that if you're really limited in a short season, yeah. you want to be harvesting 30% corn no. and paying the drying costs, right? So I, I get that, but I, I do want to, to emphasize that if we start with early planting, it helps. Mm -hmm. Early planting helps us to flower earlier and allows more of a season to achieve the high kernel weight, you know, realization. Right. So early planting followed by nutrition, adequate nutrition. I mentioned nitrogen. The other one I'm going to mention is potassium because mm -hmm. potassium has a lot to do with water regulation and it, um, is often like a cofactor with, with nitrogen. And it's been my experience over the years that we tend to get the highest kernel weights when our early balance in the corn plants during the vegetative growth, let's say right around the V6 period, V8 period, is, is evenly matched in terms of nitrogen concentration and potassium concentration. So early on, okay. corn plants, if they're well balanced, uh, tend to set themselves up to, first of all, be able to regulate water well, both in cases where there's too much rain as well as too little rain. And they tend to allow for optimum photosynthesis performance in the corn leaves to meet the needs of the developing year. Mm -hmm. It's also, I, I think, a goal for your whole plant silage producers that, you know, whole plant silage producers uh, are going to achieve improved feed quality by also concentrating on having hybrids that, that have heavier uh, kernels. It does mean that you might be harvesting your, your whole plant silage, you know, a couple days later, but it's right. been my experience that, um, that with improved silage storage conditions achieved by uh, better packing opportunities, better sealing opportunities, that we can get the best of, of both worlds, both heavier kernels and somewhat later whole plant uh, silage harvesting while preserving quality. And so one of the ways in which corn hybrids have changed is that if they in fact have deeper kernels, then it's possible that uh, the optimum silage moisture um, or, or milk line stage, you might say, mm -hmm. used to be somewhere around 40 or 50% milk line. We used to say that that kind of corresponded to 65% whole plant moisture. Mm -hmm. But if you, in fact, go in the direction of, of higher yield potentials with modern hybrids, and if those hybrids have kernels that are, are larger, we can actually continue to gain uh, kernel weights and perhaps consider whole plant corn silage harvest at 60% uh, milk line in uh, modern hybrids and thereby achieve somewhat higher total biomass yields. And if we have the opportunity to pack those uh, silage piles well, mm -hmm. 
um, we should be able to exclude air and maintain quality. And so I see a bit of a shift in terms of whole plant silage timing mm-hmm. when the deciding factor is uh, one of estimating kernel milk line with modern hybrids. Hmm. That's a really great point. That's, um, you know, it's not something that we're not going to measure the kernel weight, obviously, in, in silage corn, but some of those same principles apply. Can you talk a little bit about how environmental conditions impact that kernel weight development phase? The biggest problem with attaining high kernel weights, if it's not a nutrient problem or a plant disease um, health problem or an insect problem, a pest problem, if, if you will, the biggest negative environmental impact is one associated with drought during the grain filling period. And so the, the biggest constraint we have, and we had it last summer, is that you know we had high kernel numbers, we were expecting a high kernel weight, and lo and behold, we didn't achieve no. <laughs> what we wanted to. So shortage of water is the most detrimental factor. Right. Uh, another one that we often point to is uh, sunlight uh, intensity, or in other words, radiation intensity. Mm-hmm. And it's been my experience that um, that we can live with cloudy conditions during the linear grain filling period and not really hurt the kernel weights that are achieved very much. It's more okay. important to have the sunshine during late vegetative growth and through the flowering phase. Mm-hmm. But, and then the other factor in the environment that hurts kernel weight attainment is really warm nights. Now, you have the advantage of living in Nova Scotia. (laughs) Your nights are always cool. Over here (laughs) on the Midwest, what hurts us the most is um, having, let's say, you know, 35 degree days and then having 25 degree nights. That (laughs) is a death knell to, to getting to high kernel uh, weights because what the warm nights do is that the warm nights shorten that linear filling period. So mm-hmm. basically, the, the higher the temperatures, uh, the faster the corn plant is going to try to fill the kernels, and the earlier the conducting vessels at the bottom of the kernels are going to collapse. So uh, another hot topic for uh, 2022 is fertilizer prices. So there's a lot of emphasis on strategic nutrient application and making the most out of what we're applying. So obviously we know that nitrogen is a huge driver of corn yield, and we've already talked about that a little bit. Is it always more nitrogen is the answer to achieve those big yields, or are there ways to use it more efficiently? I think the the answer is going to be different in, um, in each region. Uh, yes, the nitrogen prices are alarming and certainly they have caused some consternation on whether we can even afford to apply last year's rate mm. if, if we can source it. Um, and my approach on, on this for, for high yield corn is to, is to think in terms of 
splitting the applications so that mm -hmm. you apply, let's say, up to uh, 50 percent uh, near planting, and then you consider um, applying another uh, 25 uh, percent, let's say, at, at, a, at a side dress application. And if you had the opportunity to put on more nitrogen at later stages with high clearance applicators and to do so at around the V12 to V14 stage. Okay. So a measured approach is ideal when you're talking about stable rate of nitrogen application. But I always want to really emphasize understanding, you know, what the soil itself and your manure and rotation sources are providing as well. And so mm -hmm. I think too often, you know, we tend to think in terms of, well, we've got to have that high rate of commercial nitrogen fertilizer. Mm -hmm. We really ought to be thinking more in terms of, uh, are we making the best use possible of what's in apparently available from organic sources. Mm -hmm. the, the other thing is, of course, always to be thinking in terms of uh, how can you uh, manage your, your tillage and your drainage programs in your fields in order to uh, give you the opportunity to plant earlier and to I lose less of the nitrogen that is applied. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I think in terms of ways in which you can maximize uptake. The good news in modern hybrids is that we can often uptake 65 to 75% of the total land applied in the above ground part of the plant. And so we we're able to achieve higher nitrogen efficiencies in part because uh, we have deeper roots, we have higher plant populations, we have hybrids uh, that stay green longer mm -hmm. as they are healthier going into the reproductive period. They continue to accumulate new end during that, uh, that time frame. And so I, I understand the, the fear about higher nitrogen uh, prices. Mm -hmm. I would say that what that means in the first case is applying you know the the pencil even sharper when it comes to determining what the economically optimum nitrogen rate is mm -hmm. and to not be tempted to exceed that you might not be able to afford to exceed it but not be <laughs> tempted at least to exceed it by making your first choice one of a of a split application rather than right. a single application. Mm -hmm. So that's where I would tend to go first. The other thing is, of course, and this is probably already happening in Nova Scotia, is that you're likely to you know, be relying to some to a better extent on starter nitrogen application than we are typically in the Midwest, where only about 50% of the farmers use starter. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. So it's it's quite a different uh, different scenario here. Yeah. And then the other thing is is that is that you you do have more latitude, more flexibility when the rest of your fertility program, because of 
history of rotations and manures and so on is near the optimum. So if you yeah. already have adequate P and K and and sulfur, for instance, um, then that makes the reliance on nitrogen and a very high rate of nitrogen less evident in, in terms of the way that the corn plant actually um, responds to that. Mm. So, you know, for the most part, most producers can't achieve high yields without some nitrogen. Mm -hmm. but on the other hand, if you're, you know, following alfalfa, you shouldn't be putting any on. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, properly valuing the nitrogen that we can get out of manure as well, because where corn is is mainly grown here as part of a livestock system, we do have a lot of access to, to manure. So making sure that we're valuing that properly in making, the in the grand scheme of things. Making friends with the dairy farmers and the chicken farmers. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> so in Nova Scotia, um, our soils typically have uh, fairly high phosphorus as well. I'm wondering if that's a benefit. And in looking at that, um, what's the value of that pop-up or starter fertilizer in the planter? I think the, the primary benefit when you already have high phosphorus levels in the soil is, is simply one of a faster start and an earlier harvest so that mm -hmm. you may be able to stretch your yield potential a little bit more by planting that slightly later hybrid with the higher yield potential. Mm -hmm. But in, if you were to compare things side by side and you were to um, not use the starter, you would probably end up with the same total yield, but you would end up with a situation where you would be harvesting later to achieve right. the same yield. Right. Well, and anything that gets us a couple of extra days <laughs> of uh, maturities welcome here in our short season. <laughs> sure, I can understand that. So what can a producer learn by looking at both kernel weight and test weight um, when it comes to the end of the season about what went on in that crop that year? First of all, with the uh, test weight, they can learn whether or not they're making the grade requirements for the elevator if they're selling yeah. it commercially. That's probably the number one importance. <laughs> As far as the high test weights are, are generally a good sign. High test weights confirm typically a high, what we call harvest index, or in other words, a high amount of the total plant matter has gone into the grain. Mm -hmm. and so if you're in a grain harvest situation, you're not leaving very much or you're leaving less stock and leaf material back mm -hmm. on the field. So you're, you're capturing more. In terms of uh, kernel weights, um, I, I think the individual kernel weights point most to a, um, a pro uh, if they're low, they, they point to a problem with that's hybrid related or that's fertility or mm -hmm. moisture related. Right. So those would be the, the top three concerns if you ended up with uh, low 
Colonel Waits. Really, really appreciate chatting with you today. I think that the growers will find this interesting and, and learn something about kernel number this year. <laughs> Very good. Happy to help out and best wishes for this coming season. It'll be a challenging one, but I hope that the in the end, it'll also be a rewarding one for your growers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Outstanding in the Field. Stay tuned for a written summary coming up in the next edition of the CropLinks newsletter, which you can subscribe to by visiting our website, www.perennia.ca. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on future episodes. Follow us on social media at NS Perennia. Thanks to Perennia for supporting this podcast and our marketing and communications team, Moira Anderson and Patty Ryan for production and design. <laughs>